Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. In extra time this week, the BMX Olympic medalist Sarah Walker makes her return from injury to kickstart her pursuit of Olympic qualification. Manawatu coach Jason O'Halloran talks about why the prospect of Super Rugby bores him and why he signed a deal to become an assistant coach for Scotland's national rugby team. The New Zealand netball coach Waito Manu looks ahead to the World Cup. The Black Sticks begin their road to Olympic qualification. Dane Coles makes his long-awaited return to the Hurricanes starting lineup. And former Team New Zealand skipper Dean Barker explains how he can turn Team Japan into America's Cup contenders. I'm Max Toll, and this is Extra Time. After suffering from broken bones and concussion symptoms, the Olympic silver medalist Sarah Walker is finally ready to return to international racing at a World Cup event next month in Canada. It puts her on track for qualifying for next year's Rio Olympics. She'll also lead a seven-strong New Zealand team to contest the BMX World Champs in Belgium in July, where she's confident she'll be a medal contender. Walker has been back in training since February, having recovered from a serious crash in September, in which she broke six bones in both arms and suffered a serious concussion. She spoke to Stephen Hewson. I haven't actually raced yet, so I, the plan is to head over to Canada for a couple of races before heading to World Champs, just to get a bit of racing, but uh, my past experience, um, some of the races have done the best that have been off the back of six, seven months without racing, so I back myself um, that if it was to be no racing and straight into Worlds, that I would still do all right. How have you been able to tell, given that you're in such top-notch form? What what are the signs? What gives you that indication? Um, well, we have uh, base testing here in New Zealand uh, at the Home of Cycling in Cambridge. Um, so we've been doing lots of testing, which we had done before the Home of Cycling was here. But I, I knew where I was at with both testing and then what results I was getting overseas last year. And then, um, so that's kind of the baseline. And then I know that I'm doing better than that this year. So in theory, I should be still very competitive against the best in the world when I head overseas. But it's quite it's quite hard because every track in the world is different in BMX. So I watched the first two World Cups this year and I can see what everyone else is doing and how fast they're going, but I can't compare myself to them, which is quite frustrating. But yeah, it's... I feel really good on my bike. I feel great in the gym. I've, just yesterday, um, I did some of my best ever on the leg press, and so I'm feeling strong and feeling fast. You mentioned there about the, the different tracks. Presumably, you prefer some t- to others, and what are your preferences? Um, well, the world track in Belgium is really wide open. First, second, third straights are really long. Um, and require a bit of skill. So that definitely falls into my favour. It's more like what London Olympic track was like. Um, the last few world championships have been indoors, so very short first straights um, and very favourable to the inside line. So like lane one is the shortest distance around, uh, to that first corner. So 
it allows it to be a bit more fair down that first straight and uh, allows us to get up and going uh, to full speed before we hit that first corner. So I'm looking forward to the World Champs. I think the track will be in my favour. Um, I just hope that the training I've been doing will help me to be prepared for that race. How do you cope when you're coming back from uh, such a big injury layoff? Uh, I mean, presumably it must be at the back of your mind that it could happen again. I think if I had it in the back of my mind too much, I would be a little bit more hesitant when I'm riding. And when you're more hesitant riding BMX, you're more likely to crash. So I think, yeah, I just try and not think about it, I guess, and and focus on what I I need to do to perform my best and what I need to do to to make sure that the skill is done as as good as possible. So, yeah, it's surprising, I guess, that I'm not, more afraid than what I am but I think the fact that I had five months off and gave myself every chance to heal um, it also allowed me to kind of sit back and, and really miss my sport and miss what I do and really realise how much I really love doing it so I think rather than being afraid of riding again I'm really appreciating being able to ride my bike and, and do some jumps and have fun and do something that I love that five months off, is that one of the sort of more serious accidents you've had? Yeah, I've only had one other one other time uh, with with kind of that length of time off, and that was with my shoulder surgery after the London Olympics. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's only been twice in my career, and this one was yeah definitely the most frustrating, especially with a head injury, just um, kind of taking the time to make sure that that was definitely given the all clear before getting back into it, because... Yeah, when you're talking about a head injury, you don't want to take things lightly. Um, I know there's a life after sport, um, and I want to make the most of it while I am doing the sport, but I didn't want to come back too early and risk an injury. Did it surprise you that you maybe felt so strongly that you wanted to get back, or was there ever a point there where you thought that this might have been the end of, of your biking career? The whole time I was out, I knew that I still wanted to ride BMX and the only thing that really made me a little bit wary was I wasn't sure how long my head injury would take and whether I would actually get given the all clear to come back and ride again. So that was probably the scariest part was um, my career was in the opinion of someone else Um, and that was, yeah, it was quite daunting but I went into, I met with three um, head specialists um, all separately and all three of them gave me the all clear so I was extremely confident that I was making the right decision and I wasn't being stupid about it because um, yeah it's it's a head it's your head and it's something that you need <laughs> while after sport I mean I could be I can have metal in my arms um, and and still have a job but if you can't think straight then uh, it does make life a little bit harder so the hardest part about a concussion injury is that the only thing to heal it is time and rest and that was that's really hard when you're an athlete just to really sit down and pretty much do nothing like I wasn't allowed to um, do much on the computer I wasn't allowed to watch movies I wasn't allowed to watch tv I wasn't allowed to do a whole bunch of stuff and then on top of that I couldn't exercise they couldn't really do anything so it was quite frustrating um a frustrating time for sure but I knew that if I rested really well I was going to recover quickly quicker and that was all I could do so it was it was 
yeah, it was pretty pretty tricky to just sit down and do nothing and just wait for your head to get better. Um, it was extremely tough. Sarah Walker talking to Stephen Hewson there. Manawatu coach Jason O'Halloran has signed a deal to be an assistant coach for Scotland's national rugby team. He'll learn the ropes under Scotland's head coach Vern Cotter, who has been in the job a year. Scotland have struggled for form in that time, including a disastrous winless Six Nations campaign earlier this year. But O'Halloran, who starts the new job in November, told Barry Guy he welcomes the challenge. To be on a quality coach like Vern Cotter, um, that was a major attraction. I, I see some similarities in their playing squad to, to the guys I'm dealing with here in Manitou as well. I, I quite enjoy taking on an underdog sort of team like that and, and seeing if we can build something from the ground up. So that's some of the challenges and attractions of the role. And after your success with Manawatu last season, you're obviously were looking to you know take an, another step. Yeah, that's right. Um, obviously, Super Rugby, there were a couple of opportunities there, but I just think... Um, it's a different style of footy over in the UK and it's going to probably balance me out a little bit better as a coach and give me a, a more well-rounded sort of portfolio and a bit better tactical understanding. Uh, I think, if anything, super level. The games are all quite similar over here. It's all around fast play and offloading. I think there's a bit more kicking and tactical appreciation needed over in, in the UK and so that'll provide a few challenges for me in terms of rounding myself out as a coach. So there were options here? Yeah, absolutely. I think every coach over here is... We had success for the team is, is going to have opportunities, but um, I just felt this one, as I say, around the personnel they've got on that team, I think they're capable of doing a little bit better than they are currently and being able to work under Vern, who, when you talk about you know prospective all-back coaches after Hanson, uh, the names that come up all the time are often Cotter, Schmidt and Rennie, so um, it's a great opportunity to work with one of those guys. Because often commentators here say there aren't enough opportunities for coaches here, and that's why a lot seem to go overseas. Is that the case? Oh, I think there are, there are opportunities here for, for quality coaches if they put their head down and work hard, for sure. Uh, a lot of that's around timing, etc. Um, and a little bit about who you know at times as well. So, yeah, it's not a guarantee that you're going to get an opportunity, you know, even if you are doing particularly well, but if you know people you've had some association with before, uh, been involved with at a national age group level or something like that, there, there are often some avenues will open up, but this is not me choosing Scotland over New Zealand. This is me choosing to be under Vern Cotter. I think it's going to be a great mentor for me, so uh, that, that's the primary reason for the decision. So you've had a relationship with him? Well, I've coached with Jeremy, his brother, uh, for the last 12 months here with Manitou, and uh, that was the first point of contact was through that avenue, and then I had an opportunity to go over and, and meet with Vern and spend a couple of days with him, and um, he's very similar to Jeremy. He's a straight shooter, and I, I really like that. It's clear lines of accountability in my job description and I, and I like working around those sort of guidelines so I think it'll be a productive environment for me. So we're not going to lose you forever? Oh look I won't say what I'm going to do to be perfectly honest I don't I'm just the sort of guy who puts his head down and works bloody hard and you know, hopefully if I do a good job at this next job then something else will open up and, and I'll continue to be employed as a professional rugby coach which I love doing and uh, whether that's in the UK long term or, or back here in New Zealand I guess Chance and circumstance will demand a lot of that, so I can't really say whether I'll be back or not, but I would love to be back at some stage. But, um, I'll just go wherever my services are required and where I'm wanted. This, there seems to be a feeling that, you know, if you want to be an international coach, that having coached elsewhere uh, is good for your CV and good for, you know, learning, I suppose. Yeah, like I say, that's the attraction for me is to learn a different type of footy, so that's why I'm moving on um, as much as anything else. Um, I get 
you know, to be honest, Super Rugby doesn't spin my wheels too much. I can sort of know what the game's going to be almost before I turn the TV on. I know what sort of structures are going to be run by the attack. I know how teams are going to defend that. I know ultimately the game's going to be lost in a couple of errors or refereeing decisions. So it doesn't really inspire me at the moment. Uh, I'd like to ch- take on a new challenge, something that's a, a lot different and probably quite a way outside my comfort zone in terms of what the rugby's going to be like in the UK. You know, if I'm to come back and do super in the future, then hopefully I can sort of amalgam um, a British style with a Kiwi one and um, that might, be a, might give you a little bit of a competitive edge. So I'll just throw this one out there, but that that style, that, that British style perhaps, do you think that's going to help in the World Cup this year? Conditions will demand a lot of the way the game is going to be played over there. I think playing for field position will be key, and I think in that regard you may well see the All Blacks having Carter at 10 and Dag at fullback because you've got a left foot, right foot, and playing a lot of territory, and and uh, referees will be pivotal as well, so making sure you're disciplined and the break, breakdown will be key. And so, like I say, I think conditions will demand a lot of what happens at the World Cup. But my biggest worry about the World Cup is that you know, seven knockout games, I can see at least one of those will be dictated to directly from a refereeing decision. Jason O'Halloran talking to Barry Guy. The New Zealand teams continue to struggle in trans-Tasman netball competition but Silver Ferns coach Waitomanu believes the new conference system is creating greater competition among the local sides. The Northern Mystics are the only New Zealand team among the top four teams as the competition enters its penultimate round. Under the new conference format, the top three teams from each of the New Zealand and Australian conferences advance to the playoff rounds. Tomanu told Stephen Hewson the intensity between the New Zealand teams is beneficial when it comes to picking a Silver Ferns team as she looks ahead to the World Cup. I've really enjoyed the conference nature of it because from my perspective, the Silver Ferns and in their various New Zealand teams are still in with a meaningful opportunity and they're playing um, as though the games count, um, which had just been the same structure as last year wouldn't be the case. We'd be having um, some of our New Zealand teams just playing to get a, a one-off win, whereas... There's a lot of intent in their matches um, all the way through now because uh, they're in a situation where that third, second and third place in the top three um, is not at all um, clear at this point. Although the team seem to have gone backwards from last year. Um, I wouldn't have said that. I would have said the competition amongst the New Zealand teams is quite tight. Um, I'm disappointed that we haven't had more game wins in trans-Tasman matches. But from my perspective, in terms of preparing the Silver Ferns, the fact that the intent and the intensity remains at this late stage in the competition is something, is a step up. And from the, the wider perspective? Well, we'll keep working. I, you know, I think it's been quite a talking point about um, the number of imports in shooting positions, and that's something we've had to work around this year. Um, we'll keep working towards that. That was never going to be an immediate fix. So is that a big part of your concern possibly when you're, when you're looking at it from that, that wider context from New Zealand netball perspective not simply the, the silver ferns I mean is that a worry? Well it, it was in something that was highlighted at the end of last year really Stephen so we've done quite a bit of work um, been in close contact with the shooters had quite um, well, relatively strict monitoring of shooting programs and those sorts of things. So, you know, we're starting to see people like Mandia Pasteco, who doesn't get as much court time as, um, well, she's young, so that's not surprising. But her shooting has improved. Um, the accuracy at the Mystics is as good, better than it was last year. Those are the things that um, I do take um, a great deal of pleasure from. And my main role, though, is to ensure that that shooting program for the New Zealand available shooters um, is in place and is being adhered to. 
What about the results, though? Do you see anything that strikes you as to why the New Zealand teams in particular continue to, to struggle? Um, no, I wouldn't have said that I was that I thought this year was um, any different. We, we don't go across the Tasman well, um, despite the fact that I think the Australian umpiring has been very good. We um, are not adjusting as well as we could over there. Um, and we've had some close calls where I'm sure the franchise coaches and the franchise players would be disappointed that they didn't hold hold themselves out for the end. And, but again, those are things that have been a little perennial um, in our competition. I think Liz Ellis made the comment about fitness. Is that mm-hmm. something you would agree with or not? Well, again, that was something that we um, made a, quite a, a big deal of with the Ferns earlier in the year and provided the criteria for the selection to CG. Um, so in terms of the ferns, I've been pretty pleased with the progress and um, the way in which they've worked at that. Um, and I, I think we've got, um, particularly in the ferns group, which is the group I am familiar with, um, some of the fittest athletes we've had in a few years now. And across the ANZ Championship, though, you think it's an issue for players, New Zealand-based players? Um, I wouldn't. I, I couldn't comment. Um, however, my observation would be that we probably still, as a reflection of our depth, perhaps in the 11 and 12 players, probably still have some youngsters who have not made the connection um, that they um, need to have done a lot of pre-season training. And um, whereas the Australian competition has such depth and such a very good development model in all of their um, regional state institutes, so that's a lesson that is learned younger. Do, do you think? It's still, and I'm not sure where New Zealand netball might be at, but are they actually sort of reviewing the NPC? Does that need to run in conjunction with the Trans-Tasman competition below it? Would that help? Yeah, there is a competition review going on right now, Stephen, so it is very topical. I don't know where that's going to go, but that is certainly something that Netball New Zealand has been looking at. So um, a major review of the performance um, programme last year and finished this year, followed by a competition review. So, you know, I, I think Hillary um, has been following a a, um, a very sensible uh, program and I think at the end of this year when our competition review is done, then putting those two things together will start to really um, address some of the issues that we have been looking at in the last couple of years in the ANZ. What would be your preference? Um, something similar, I guess, to Australia, which is a um, competition, of a, a second-tier competition that runs alongside ANZ for those youngsters so that they, like their counterparts in Australia, learn those lessons a little bit earlier about preparation and competition um, and the need to be in match-ready state at the start of the season, not the end. Silver Ferns coach Waitumanu talking to Stephen Hewson. The New Zealand men's hockey team about to begin qualification for next year's Rio Olympics. The Black Sticks are heading to Argentina for the FIH World League semi-final, which doubles as an Olympic qualifier. It's not their last chance saloon, but a top three finish will guarantee their place in Rio. And the team's Australian coach Colin Batch is feeling confident following their success over the world number one Kookaburras in the Aslan Shah Cup final. But that was followed by a poor showing at the next tournament in Hobart. Batch told Richard Wayne the team faces some big challenges ahead, including injuries to three players. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Nick Wilson, who is back from a long-term knee injury, has got some hip soreness, so he hasn't been able to train the last three weeks. Jimmy Coglin got through uh, Essenshaw really well and unfortunately injured himself in a club game first weekend back and hasn't trained since, and then Shane Neal injured himself in Hobart, so... You know, those three uh, did perform well in Malaysia, so 
they'll be missed, but um, we move on and uh, it tests the depth of the group and I think uh, we've still got a very strong team. Well, you've got a very experienced team here, haven't you, with the likes of Archibald, Burroughs, MacLeese uh, and, of course, the captain, Child, at least, just to name a few, with uh, more than a couple of hundred caps. Yeah, definitely. They've been through a lot of campaigns and uh, mixing that with some of the younger guys, uh, Nick Woods and uh, George Muir, Dwayne Russell, who's only recently come into the team, so it's it's important to get the balance right, and um, I feel confident that we have done that. Right, looking at this rather complicated qualification format for Rio, um, basically you have to certainly have to finish in the top four out of five in your pool to make the quarterfinals in Argentina at the World Hockey League semi-final. That's correct, isn't it? That's right. You know, that's our aim. Immediate aim is to get to the quarterfinal, and yep. we should be able to do that. Okay, so um, let's assume we make the quarterfinals. If you make the semi-finals, that's still only top four but you have to finish top three, am I right, at the event in order to qualify for Rio from the World Hockey League semi-final? Yep, if we finish top three, we'll definitely go to Rio. If we finish fourth, there's a strong possibility we will, but um, you still need to wait and see some other results. So, yeah, it's uh, you know, a big difference. We, our aim is to medal at this tournament, so um, top three will be fine. Okay, so um, good. I've got that. I think, and I mean, and it comes back to after the World Hockey League semi-final. Then it comes back to winning Oceania or the sort of a repercharge charge without playing, which is the countback on rankings, depending on who's maybe qualified twice. <laughs> is that, so, that right? It's starting to sound complicated, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Look, it, 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 if you finish top three in uh, the semi-final in Argentina, you go to the Olympics. If you win Oceania Cup you go to the Olympics. That's the easiest way of doing it. So that's what we want to, that's what our goals are and that's uh, the way to uh, simply qualify. Now the women obviously are our higher ranked team at number four, you guys number seven. So I suppose you're more of an outsider for that sort of top three slot. But you'll be going to Argentina looking to podium obviously, which is top three, but also perhaps to win. Yeah, well, well definitely. And uh, that was our aim in uh, Asuncar. So we um, went there to win the tournament. It's a you know, difficult tournament, but we got there in the end. Um, our aim in Hobart was to find our best group for selection for World League Three. So you know, our results were a li little bit reflective on on that as well. But definitely in in World League Three, first aim is to get the quarterfinal, win that, and then we're in the semi-finals, and uh, you know everything's possible then. All right. Now, um, what do you think of, of the, the format where these teams who might have already qualified and yet they're competing against you at a qualification event? Yeah, it's um, uh, look, it's just the way it is at the moment, and maybe it'll take a, a few more campaigns before it's uh, rejigged by FIH. And you know, we have a different qualifying system, but it is what it is at the moment. So we, you know, went through a similar one for the World Cup two years ago. So um, we just got to get on, on with it and play our best hockey. Of course, Oceania is pretty tricky with uh, the Aussies uh, ranked right up there, aren't they? Number one. Yeah, they definitely are. And, uh, you know, we beat them earlier this year, but um, and then we had two difficult matches against them in Hobart where they won uh, both of those. They're good competition. They're always difficult to play against. They make us stronger, there's no doubt about that, and we'll be better prepared for uh, Argentina because of it. So I suppose, um, you know, best case scenario, or let's say you win the World Hockey League semi final in Argentina, uh, you qualify at least. And then you, there's the World League final, which I'll ask you when that is as well. Uh, and then you, that's just basically a standalone tournament. There's ranking points, etc. You know, prestige, win the tournament. You've already made Rio, and just more build up for Rio. Yeah, it's, it, it'll help our uh, preparation for the the Rio Olympics. 
the World League Four or the World League Final is in December in India, so uh, another good tournament and another good experience for us. Colin Batch and his Black Sticks men leave in the next few days for Buenos Aires. That was him talking to Richard Wayne. All Blacks and Hurricanes hooker Dane Coles returns to action after a 10-week layoff to take on the Blues in their Super Rugby match at Eden Park on Saturday night. Coles injured his elbow in the previous meeting with the Blues in March, but has played a couple of games off the bench since then. He told Barry Guy it's been a frustrating time trying to get back into the Hurricanes' starting lineup. Just stoked to be back full time with the boys and, and, really, and getting the chance to start again. So very yeah, really happy. Frustrating. Yeah, mate, it's always frustrating, as people know, when you get injured. But, uh, you know, the boys have been going pretty good, and it's always, I'm just stoked I'm coming back, and I'm 100% now, so yeah, looking forward to it. And I understand, you know, it was your, your elbow, so you are able to keep sort of fitness up. In yeah, there was a, yeah, that was the, probably the downside of things. I was allowed to run, so I've been running the whole time, so, I'm, you know, obviously my, my fitness is up there, just, and then... But the last month, just getting back into the upper body stuff and getting that right. So, yeah, I've been on the, with the trainers for a, a little bit of time now. So, yeah, just stoked I can get away from them and just go out and play rugby. Now, as an all bloke, of course, you meant to have a couple of weeks off, mm. 10 or whatever, it might have been 8 or, or whatever. It's a bit many, I'm assuming, for you. Yeah, mate. Like, you always just want to be playing, and with those, I'd, like, I'd rather have those two weeks off than having, you know, having, you know, having 10. So, yeah, but that's footy, mate. You know, you've got to take the. You know, the ups and downs, and that was just, unfortunately, I had an injury, so yeah, just stoked to be back. So have you managed to see any sort of upside to it? I suppose, uh, you know, more time with the family at least? Or? Yeah, yeah. like I just had it, I've got a newborn about seven months old, so there's always there's always positives, you know, a bit of family time, and um, but mate, my job is to play rugby, and you know, I, I would have loved to have been out there, but like I said, that, that's footy, and you always find positive when you get injured. Like I said, like running, you know, I was able to do some bit of fitness and spend time with a bit of family. So you, you always just try to stay positive and make the best of the situation. And is that perhaps what Steve Hansen was saying? Have you been, you know, talking to him through that time? Oh, mate, no, they, we haven't had too much to do with the with the All Black coaches. Um, they just kind of let us do our thing, and we've had been in touch with like the medical staff and stuff like that but you know, I'm sure Shag will be overseeing everything but we don't yeah like I said they just let, out, let us do our thing and then and then in the season they'll pick the team and see what happens. Now it's been quite obvious when you've come off the bench and that you've you've appeared to be pretty steamed up about uh, getting involved again. Yeah well, you know I've pretty, been on the sideline for a while I've been pretty excited you know the Crusaders are probably a little bit too uh, <laughs> jacked up I, I suppose and yeah I'll probably let my lesson just to kind of stay calm and just go out and do my job. So, yeah, lessons learning and I'll just keep moving forward. Is that better starting, though? Like, I used to be a master coming off the bench, so I spent a lot of time on the bench in my early days and I just haven't been off the bench for a while and I just, I think I was playing the game when I was sitting on the bench as well. So, yeah, just to, took a good lesson out of that, just to stay nice and calm and when I come out, just do my job. Just can't really play the game, just stay nice and relaxed on the bench. And uh, some changes to the front rows for the Hurricanes uh, this week, but you're an experienced as part of the group now. Yeah, mate. Um, obviously, Chris Hughes and Jeff coming in, and you know now they're a pretty experienced player, so we won't lose too much. You know, with those guys coming in, and they'll probably, you know, they'll be very excited. Especially Jeff, you know, he's a bit of a with an injury last year, and he's he's come back, but he's got a lot of confidence now, which is good. So yeah, we'll just do our job, and just hopefully we can, um, you know, just keep working with the boys, Motu and Franks. And Reggie, what, what they've been doing. So yeah, we're, we're keen to go out and just bring a bit of energy. Psychologically, because you've got pretty much most things sewn up, perhaps you know the New Zealand conference and that sort of thing. Can that be an issue? Yeah, but 
Like we haven't talked about it as a group, like as a as, as a Hurricanes, but I'm sure people are probably, I'm sure the boys are probably aware of it. But um, that's you know that's an outcome, so we're just going to make sure we don't worry about that stuff because I'm sure if you worry about that kind of stuff, it kind of trip trip yourself up. We'll just take it week by week, like we've been doing all year, and just make sure we prepare well and make sure we come out and sad day and have a good game. Dane Coles talking to Barry Guy. And finally, the former Team New Zealand skipper Dean Barker is confident he can create a competitive America's Cup team now that he's taken over as skipper and chief executive of Team Japan. In February, Barker was replaced as Team New Zealand's helmsman and offered a shore-based role, which he turned down. Team Japan was only confirmed as a challenger earlier this month, and their first race is scheduled to be the America's Cup World Series event in Portsmouth in July. Barker concedes syndicates that are late in committing to an America's Cup campaign often struggle, but he believes Team Japan will be an exception. He had a chat with Stephen Hewson. It's certainly going to be a scramble to, to get ready for, for Portsmouth, um, to get organised for that. But um, you know, Fortunately, we've got some, um, some really good support from the Oracle team um, to, uh, you know, with Shaw support and also um, and, you know, sailor support as well. So it allows us just to get a bit of breathing space um, you know, now that the team's sort of up and running to, um, to determine you know, the people that we, um, we need to bring into the team. How far through are you in recruitment? <laughs> we uh, haven't really started, to be honest. It's um, yeah, a lot of work to do. Um, you know, it's going to be a small team. Uh, we'll probably only be sort of 35, 40 people in, in total. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, so we've got to be very careful you know, with the people we select to make sure we get the, the right mix um, you know, different, um, in the different roles. How long has this been in the pipeline? It hasn't, you know, for me, it hasn't really been uh, been hanging around for, for that long at all, but it's, um, you know, I've been off doing other sailing with RC44s and TP52s and things, and then, you know, this opportunity's come along to, to be able to um, skip of the boat, which is um, obviously, you know, what I love doing, but then also the opportunity to lead the team as well. So, you know, it's one of the, uh, it's an opportunity I couldn't, um, you know, couldn't really turn down. And it became serious very quickly. It's an, an interesting prospect when you've got a a new team um, that's you know decided to challenge, um, and you know they they had a general manager um, in place. So yeah, it's uh, it was clear that you know the team um, was serious. It had um, the ability to get going, which is uh, is obviously key when you you're coming in late, um, and so that sort of. Uh, really the, the, the sort of the key ingredients to, to be involved. How long did it take you to decide that you wanted to to be involved? I mean, you obviously were keen to remain a skipper at Team New Zealand. You obviously wanted to, to remain skipper of, of a syndicate. Was this a case of, yeah, I'll jump in and, and take it straight away, or did you have to weigh it up quite seriously? No, no, I had to, you know, you have to certainly have a good look at it, you know, how it was going to work, how it would operate um, and everything else before, you know, just to let done, um, just to understand how it would all come together. But, um, you know, my passion has always been the America's Cup and, it, and the opportunity to stay, to stay racing and, uh, and then also the ability now to lead a team at the same time is, um, is you know, something which is really cool. So, um, yeah, I gave it, you know, obviously gave it a fair amount of thought, but it's, it's something that I really wanted, wanted to take on. How long did it take you to get over the disappointment of Team New Zealand? Um, I've been fortunate, and I've been able to go and do a lot of other sailing to sort of clear my head and, and refocus on on what you know is important to me, and that's to be able to go sailing and go racing and enjoy 
you know, the sport. It's very much been a case of looking forwards and, you know, when this opportunity came about, you know, it was something that I was very happy to um, to embrace. It must be tough, though, as you mentioned there, about getting things up and running so quickly when history suggests syndicates that are, that are late to the race very much struggle. Yeah, I, I um, definitely uh, plays in the back of my mind, but this cycle is different. With the cost reductions and different things that have been discussed in terms of what's going to happen with a new class of boat, it allows new teams to come in at a later period. And you know, we'll have the ability to buy um, the design package from Oracle, which... You know, will give us a very good boat, and so then from there, really, it's up to us to learn how to sail and um, and develop it. Yeah, there's no question there'll be challenges. You know, when you you sort of competing against teams that have been running now for many many years, it's um you've got all the structures and everything in place. But you know, I think we we still have a, a very good opportunity to put something good together. What's the link up with Oracle? They've been brilliant in terms of helping us um get up and running. They they uh, modified the the AC45. Um, together with core boat builders and, and that means that we've got a boat that we can use um, at the first World Series event in July um, and so that'll be the first opportunity for us to go out as a team and sail um, and yeah then the ability to buy a design package from them um, will you know, will obviously give us the ability to have good equipment right from um, day dot when, you know, when it comes time to build the new boat. Dean Barker there talking to Stephen Hewson. That brings an end to Extra Time for this week. If you want to contact us, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz or follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. I'm Max Toll. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.